everyone. This is your host, Apostle Eddie Maestas with Manifest Live. Welcome, welcome. We are going to have a wonderful time tonight with my guest. And I'm telling you, they're seasoned men and women. And you are going to be blessed today as we discuss father and sons. There's so much talk around fathers and sons. And we want you to be able to hear from seasoned individuals that have great revelation and understanding when it comes to father and son teaching in the body of Christ. We hope that you are settled and we hope you could maybe share it with somebody else as it's on Facebook Live. We are uh, on so many different platforms now that you'd be able to send it out to other people so they could be able to hear these teachings as well. But it's so important that you and I understand the model that Christ and his father put in the earth, which is the model of father and son. And I believe you're going to be blessed as you hear it. It's going to help you grow. It's going to help you change. It's going to help you to understand what God is doing in the earth as he continues to move this forward. Love and unity is a movement that God has placed in the earth. And this love and unity, God gave us a model. He gave us a strategy. He gave us what we could do to begin to create a sonship in the body of Christ of maturity. But he gave us the model so we could be able to see it accomplished in the earth. And the model that he gave us was to establish a senior council of father-like ones. And through those senior father-like ones, they would begin to teach the father and son model into the earth that will bring forth an advancement of God's kingdom, delivering this earth from his corruption. So I want to introduce you at this time, some of those that will be teaching on this and have taught and taught me a lot about this whole father and son relationship. And I'm going to bring on first and foremost, Apostle Calvin Cook, all the way from San Jose, California. Welcome, Apostle Cal. Hey, Apostle Eddie, praise God. It's, it's great to be with you this evening. Praise God for you, sir. I'm so happy to have you. Glory to God. You have taught me so much on this yourself, so I know we're going to learn a lot from what God has to say to you today. We also have with us Apostle Baker from Mathika, California. Apostle Baker, welcome to the Manifest Live. Hallelujah. Thank you. How are you doing today? This is, I, I'm doing fabulous, and this is an honor to be able to be with you so that you, we can show forth that uh, fatherhood is not a gender. So, Amen. And we'll discuss that a little bit today. Praise <laughs> God. So thank you for saying that. And then we have with us Apostle Michael Fram all the way from New Jersey. Hallelujah. Welcome, Apostle Michael Fram. Good evening, everybody. I am so excited and honored to be here with these wonderful folks that I have the privilege and the honor to call friends. And I have the privilege and honor to serve with them on the Senior Council of Love and Unity. And it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made when I said yes to both God and to Love and Unity. And so I'm really grateful to be here and be a part. And I'm so glad you're a part of it, Apostle. Uh, you've been a blessing to us in so many ways, helping us to to learn things. Uh, God uses you strongly as a teacher, and you've been able to break things down, especially on the love and unity 
broadcast. You have your own program. All of you have your own program. And you are teaching the kingdom of God all over the nation, all over the world. And uh, it is just powerful that God's given us this too through love and unity. You know, God gave me love and unity over 25 years ago. And when he gave it to me, I didn't understand kingdom. I didn't understand the apostle. I didn't understand fivefold. I was just barely beginning to understand the kingdom of God. And it took many years for God to begin to change me and deliver me and transform me and give me revelation and understanding regarding the things that we are doing today. But when he began to release me to start love and unity, Eddie Maestas could have never done it. I could have never brought who God has brought together. This movement has been totally by the grace of God, totally at the mercy of God, Dr. Baker. And this mercy, hallelujah, has carried us this far. And we have seen many lives change. We have seen Zooms come on every single day of the week where ministers gather with one another and hear the word of God, where we're able to learn and grow and develop as leaders of the kingdom of God. And we're just getting started. We're getting ready to take this from region to region. And I believe it's going to be a movement that's going to advance his kingdom. And most of all, it's going to help the ecclesia to rise up and be the church that it is called to be. One of the things that God gave me when he gave me this vision is he gave me the strategy. And the strategy was that God was going to give me a council of 12 that were going to be seasoned men and women that were going to know more than me, that were going to have greater revelation, that were going to be a council to me so we could be able to do what God wanted to do in the earth. And little by little, he started to put this council together. First, it was with Apostle Cal. He came down one day to Pomona, California, as we were having a love and unity for ministers. And as soon as Apostle Cal came down, he connected. And then it's just began to grow from that point on where God began to add one senior council after the other. So this whole love and unity movement is not a movement of Eddie Maestas. It's not a movement of an organization. It's a movement out of relationship of senior leaders that have come together, laid down their life to represent the Father's heart in the earth. And through that process, we are teaching this model of fathers and sons. Apostle Cal, share with us a little bit of why you came into love and unity, what you saw as a father already, how this could be able to be so powerful and moving across the nation as the body of Christ. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity, uh, Apostle Eddie. Well, first of all, when I came into uh, Love and Unity, I was looking for a connection. One of my uh, uh, things that people say I can do is I can connect people. And so what I, what I wanted to do, I wanted to uh, create a more effective connectivity with people with a lasting relationships so that we could actually measure what we were doing in terms of accomplishing the goals that the father gave us to accomplish was to first of all to equip the saints to come to a certain measure of a stature of the image of the son of god and i wasn't seeing that in my own region and so i uh, somebody said well it a guy named eddie's doing it uh, uh, down south i said well i'm going down there <laughs> and uh i drove nine hours to get there and i was not disappointed and we never left each other's side from that initial meeting. I refuse to leave you. You can't get rid of me is what I'm trying to say. And so 
Uh, Thank you for that. uh, And I mean, uh, we have connected, and then we saw some things exponentially just begin to come into increase. That's why I'm here, and that's part of the. I had a hunger and desire to see something happen in the Northern Bay Area where we live. Uh, It's been kind of like uh, uh, I'm here and others are here, but we've never connected. And now I'm inviting those in this region to come in. I called a guy today, uh, come on and connect with. I'm inviting more and more to come in because we have something solid to connect them to now. Amen. That's why I'm here. It's just an opportunity uh, to learn. I've learned so much since I've met the council. Uh, we become friends, and each one of them is 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 like having a library, <laughs> because what I don't know, one of them knows, and what uh, and when they're going through, I go through with them. We go through these things. To, it's really really dynamic. I'm really so happy that I'm part of this system that uh, that you put together here with the grace of God. You know, uh, Apostle Michael Fram. When I begin to put this together, God told me it was going to take seasoned father like ones to make this happen. And it was going to take people that had a love, not only for God, but a love for one another, that we would not be in competition, not be in jealousy, not fight. And even when we disagree with one another, that our love was greater than our disagreements. When you first came in, you came in a little kicking, kicking back. You didn't (laughs) want to quite come in, but the Holy Ghost got a hold of you. And when the Holy Ghost got a hold of you, that was it. Hallelujah. Amen. And you came in. Tell us about your experience in coming in to the Love and Unity and the Senior Council. Well, you know, I've had this vision for probably six and a half years. And it's it's threefold. It's three-pronged. One is to promote and support women in ministry. I didn't ask for it, but God gave it to me. And he told me it wasn't just an assignment, it was a mandate. He also told me that it was time for me to do for others what Leo did for me. And Leo is my natural and spiritual father. So I knew I I had to begin to pour into and mentor and raise up sons and daughters. And then the third thing was, to begin to bring fivefold leaders across regions together. And I've been looking for a vehicle to help facilitate that because you can't do that on your own. You need a team of people. You need people that you can join together with to accomplish that. And when I was first introduced to Love and Unity, I, I was not overly impressed initially. And I did come kicking and screaming a little bit. But God has a way of getting you where he wants you. And the thing that God used was that there were people that I was already friends with, close friends with, that I had already been building relationship with that had gotten involved and were on the senior council of love and unity. Namely, it was Dr. Don Hughes, Dr. Barry Cook, and Dr. Jack Irvin, and I've known all of them. And then I began to meet other members of the council, and I'm like, well, these are really great people. What am I missing? What's wrong with me? I figured I must have been a jerk or something because I didn't see what everybody else saw. And then one day, I'm, I'm convinced now, in fact, I had lunch with the local pastor today 
here in New Jersey. And I told him, I'm convinced now it was a manifestation of the gift of the discerning of spirits. And it was just like Apostle Eddie was a zippered up coat. And God unzipped him and allowed me to see straight through all the external stuff. And I saw his heart. And when I saw his heart, that was all it took. And I said, I'm sold. I'm in. I'm a part of this. And I committed that day. I asked Apostle Eddie to forgive me publicly for misjudging him and not seeing his heart. And I said, I don't know to what extent, but I'm in. It wasn't but, I guess, a month or two later, I get a phone call from Dr. Baker. And Dr. Baker says, Michael, I want you to practice saying yes. And I said, why do I feel like I'm being set up? And she said, Edward is going to call you. I think she's the only one that gets away with calling you Edward. Oh, my wife, my wife. Oh, you know your wife too. Okay. And, and so that night, Apostle Eddie called me and he says, you know, I've already told everybody I've approached you before and you've said no, but they told me to call you again and ask you. And so at that moment, I, I did what Dr. Baker encouraged me to do. And I said, yes. And I became part of the senior council. And it has been nothing but rewarding because it's broadened my platform. It's broadened my reach. And it's allowed me to lock arms with people of the same heart and the same mind that have nothing to prove because they've all been around the block and nobody has an ego and the ego is checked at the door. And these are people I can lock arms with and work with and advance and build his kingdom. That was my experience of coming into love and unity. Amen. You know, I've been around a lot of meetings and people trying to put things together, bring ministers together and they've been good. They've taught me and I've learned through all those different things. But I was looking for a team that would come together and there would be no jealousy, no competition, that we would prefer one another better ourselves. I said, Lord, the church is looking for true fathers that will represent a true love of unity and oneness with one another so that the door could open, that we could begin to teach and minister the things of the kingdom. And, and I'm telling you, that's exactly what it's done. By bringing these individuals together, there's been a, a revelation of knowledge and wisdom that has come forth from the senior council that has come together. And now we want to model that and bring it into other regions so that the same thing is happening from region to region all across the nation and even into the uttermost parts of the earth. Dr. Baker, you came in, and the first thing that you came in, you told me to shut up and listen. <laughs> you said, Edward, just shut up and listen. I'm talking right now. I said, yeah, she belongs to the council. <laughs> and then you came in through Apostle Cal, and you've been such a blessing. You're the only woman on the council. Of course, we all see ourselves as sons but you're the only woman gender that is on there. But man, you fit right in with all of us. 
and you came in and you begin to be a part. Tell us a little bit about your experience in coming in to the Council of Love and Unity. Well, I've known Apostle Cal actually because we're related. He asked me the other day, you really do think that we're real uh, related, huh? And I said, yes, you haven't looked in the mirror lately. You know we are. <laughs> anyway, he's my baby brother. Uh, we go back a long way. I was an evangelist and he uh, was an intercessor and other things. And we taught each other in this large church that we were uh, both involved in. And um, we left and different things happened. I was still in San Jose at the time. And um, he would do different things. And I traveled from where I lived to go down to some of his meetings and different things. And he says, I want you to get on this Zoom. I want you to do this. And, and you know, he would talk to me and we would talk and we would go back and forth. And uh, there was times when, um, if it wouldn't be, if it hadn't have been for him, I wouldn't be here. That's actually twice in my life. Um, God used him and his wife uh, as friends of mine for a number of different things. So we have a close, intimate relationship, uh, me with his family and all. And he is a man of integrity. Don't tell him I don't tell him I said all this. Okay. So you know, nobody said all this, you know. <laughs> thinking that I'm thinking my baby brother's mixed up, you know. But at any rate, okay. Um, you know, um, uh, I was. Let me just tell you a quick story. I was on my way. I lived in Santa Cruz at the time, and I was driving down the Highway 17, and I had what I, I felt was a heart attack and and, and a, a strokey type thing. And here it was, I started to wobble. And the only thing I could do was to call his number. And I don't even know how I, I was able to do this. This was many years ago. And he prayed and he released something. And this is a windy, windy road that many people, Apostle Eddie, you know this, that many people get killed on Highway 17. And he prayed, long story short, I went to the hospital they told me I'd had a stroke and a heart attack and I let them know that their machines were wrong and they should look at the Queen Latifah movie to see where the, uh, you know, the machines and things are wrong. And then Apostle, Apostle Cal uh, asked me a couple of times to join uh, in on a Zoom and finally I did. And after then he told me he wanted, he had a Zoom and I joined in on his Zoom. And then after then he told me to do this other thing and I follow his instructions a lot. So I did. And then we oh, had a instructions. Did you say a lot? <laughs> I got to stop for that moment. That was a, that was a memorial moment. This is my minute. Anyway, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, uh, I follow his instructions a lot, just like I follow Apostle Eddie's and and, and my and uh, Apostle Michael. Anyway, so, so uh, uh, Apostle Eddie and I, I don't know, it was almost like an instant connection, you know. Uh, it, it was an instant connection, and I really don't even know. And then he was having a, a convergence, or a conference, that, that's what it was. And he called me one day and asked me if I would teach in it. And I'm thinking, why are you calling me, asking me to teach in your in your 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 thing down here? And so uh, I, I kept doing the Zooms, 
and I came to teach and all of a sudden it was like one of these things. It was like the whole family just kind of came together. And um, my daughter's involved in love and unity. In fact, Apostle Eddie is her spiritual father. And uh, just a, uh, it was just a total connection. I don't know when he wasn't in my life. I, I, it was that kind of a thing. It's like uh, a, a forever thing. And he's one I get to show such mercy to because I'm one that's filled. <laughs> I just wanted to take some of the pressure off Apostle Cal, hallelujah. <laughs> At any rate, I became a part of I became a part of the council and people asked me, it's really a funny thing. They asked me, how can you handle being on the council with all of those 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 men with uh, uh, 11 men and you know all of this And I said, um, I don't really even think about it because I don't think about there being this difference, you know I I, I don't think about it and um, I really believe that this is one of the things that's happening that will bring, as, as Apostle Michael said, that will bring some clarity to people. If you allow the Spirit of God and what's in you to operate and not be in competition with anybody, because none of them are like me. I mean, they would all probably like to be like me, but none of them are like me. And so, you know, and I'm not like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I have so much fun. I do, I do, I do, I do. So, anyway, anyway, that's that's uh, that's how I that's how I became connected. You can talk. Well, now. We appreciate all of you coming into Love and Unity. It has changed my life completely. Uh, a person by the name of Rebo Ramble one time was preaching at a church, and this is a time I was actually running from my call. I had already pastored for so many years, went through some stuff. I decided I was just going to do business for a couple of years, but I was going to a church out in Riverside, California, and I was sitting all the way in the back row of a church of about six, 700 people because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to really talk to nobody because they all knew me from rallies and crusades I did in the whole area. And as I was sitting back there, Reba calls me up and says, Eddie Maestas, is that you sitting all the way in the back row? And I said, oh my God, she's gonna call me out in front of everybody. And she did exactly that. She called me up and she says, Eddie, you are running from your call. You're just like Jonah. You're in the belly of the whale and God's about ready to spit you out to do what God's called you to do in Nineveh. And I said, oh my God. She says, but you're a strong man. And one of the things that God's going to do with you this time is he's going to put stronger leaders around you. And those leaders are going to help you to achieve something that God wants to accomplish in the earth. And that's exactly what God has done today. He has put leaders in my life in the senior council to help me to stay on the right road and the right track to a movement that I believe that is going to change the world. I believe it's going to change the body of Christ in its present condition and bring us to a place of great maturity, but also bring us to a place of unity and oneness so we could accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in the earth. The word presbytery is actually a gathering of leaders that are mature leaders of eldership, of senior citizens 
that will represent a government in behalf of the people. So what we have done through Love and Unity, we have created a presbytery of leaders to model the Father in our life of what the Father's heart is so we can begin to release that into the earth, but especially bringing the church back to its original pattern to be the ecclesia that God wants it to be in the earth. But God had to raise up a team. He had to raise up a company, and he has done that through love and unity. He has raised that up. And the first thing that he did was says, I need fathers that have the father's heart. I need fathers that originate from the creation of time when God created the heavens and the earth was the first time father and son was modeled in the earth that the heavenly father created in his image, in his likeness, his son. And from that point on, it was that same model that he has used over and over again to bring us to this place, but also to bring us to a place of him moving upon the earth like never before. So Apostle Cal, I want you to share with the people that are listening today how important it is that we bring back the understanding of fathering in the earth. Well, to me, it, it, it's the key to us going forward, uh, uh, Apostle Eddie. Uh, I was studying out of the book of Galatians, and, and it says in the fullness of time, it says uh, 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 Christ, uh, God sent forth his son. Amen. And so that seems to, it tells us that the, the, the first understanding we have concerning fatherhood is apostolic. Because we have a son sent out of a place into a place. And uh, this is interesting. I, I picked this up in my study and I had I seen it before, but years ago. And, and it just jumped off the page again when it says that the, the eternal God who made the world is the son of the father. Who sent him into the world. And so the whole thing starts with father and son relationship. And that is the the what we would call the hermeneutical order of the direction that the church should be heading in father and son relationship, regaining, regathering the fathers. And I was reading back in Malachi and he says, I will turn the hearts of the father. And so it's something God is doing, because the only way God can deal with the church is through sonship. The inheritance goes to the son. Everything is, is, is embodied in the son. And, and it, it says here also, uh, like, uh, like father, like son. In other words, there was no difference from the father and the son in terms of their uh, presentation of a life. They exhibited the same life. The father and I are one. I don't say anything less the father. I don't. It's the father and son dynamic. And also... Fathering and sonship is not hierarchical. hierarchical. In other words, uh, it's relational. So uh, today, sometimes you see in churches where men have sons and they create a hierarchy over them to control their movement, their growth and their development. But Jesus didn't develop sonship for that reason. It was to build relationship between the father and the sons, whether it be an earthly father and an earthly son or a heavenly father and a heavenly son. And so my my heart 
Uh, sonship is not only the nature of God, it's the nature and the fellowship that we've been called into. Sonship is something we've been called into uh, to, to, to propagate and extend the Father's kingdom to the sons of God. And, uh, I could go on about that, but I know the others have something to say about that as well. Uh, but I believe that uh, uh, you cannot be an apostle, you cannot be any of the fivefold giftings until you become a son. And out of that sonship develops the ministries that God calls you to walk into. It's so important for us fathers uh, to embrace the calling in, that we have on our lives right now and, and realize that no apostle lives for himself. <laughs> you gave up your life when you said you wanted to be an apostle. You said you wanted to be a father. Goodbye, you. Yes, sir. Goodbye. I don't you. think most people even know anything, what that means. Any kind of sleep you thought you was going to get at night, anything you thought you were going to be doing just for you, those days are over. Praise God. I'm going to come right back with Apostle Michael Fram, but we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll come back and discuss more about fathers and sons. Hello everyone, this is Apostle Eddie Maestas. I want you to go to love-unity.org and see what God is doing through love and unity all across the nation and the world. It's a powerful gathering of leaders all over the nation that are coming together, building relationships so we can advance the kingdom of God. I'd also like to let you know about a convergence that we're doing in October 6th, 7th, and 8th in Cleveland, Ohio. You can go to our website and you can find all the information you need. It's gonna be a powerful time for leaders. There's no competition, there's no jealousy. It's a gathering of leaders, of men and women all over the nation, and you will be blessed at this convergence where the love of God just fills the place. So go to love-unity.org and hear more about what God is doing across the nation. God bless you. Amen, amen. Praise God. Apostle Michael Fram, Malachi 4, 6 says this, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse. Can you expound on that, sir? Well, you know, the very interesting thing about that scripture, and we quote it a lot, especially in the fathering vein or stream within the body. We quote it a lot in apostolic circles. But I think what most people miss is the order of the turning. Because it starts with the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons. And I think we've had a backwards I almost want to say something else, but I'm going to behave because it's not my program. I'm with the Apostle <laughs> okay, Eddie, so I'm going to behave. If I was on Dr. Baker's really telling it like it is program, I would say it different. But I'm going to give the PG version tonight, and I'm going to say it right. But we've been a little bit backwards. And what we've done is we've been waiting for sons to turn their hearts towards us. And the order is that the hearts of the fathers 
get turned to the sons first. And then in reciprocal fashion, then the sons can turn their hearts to the fathers. And one of the things that I've found is that people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we've had an attitude within the church, even amongst leadership, that you are here to serve my vision rather than leadership saying, I am here to equip you to fulfill your calling. And so what's happening in this fathering movement and in this apostolic movement is God is raising up men and women with the heart of the father that are looking at people not as a resource, but as something that they are supposed to pour into. It's somebody that I'm assigned to help them be all that God has called them to be. And as we, as leaders, begin to turn our hearts towards those that God brings across our path, they begin to realize that we really have their best interest at heart. They've not been convinced that leaders have their best interest at heart. They felt that they are looking at me as somebody that's going to help me do what God called me to do. And so as we're seeing this shift, and it's God that does it. God's the one that changes the heart. I, I said in the first part that when you had me talk about, you know, how I came into love and unity, that it was about six and a half years ago that God spoke to me and said, it is time for you to do for others what Leo did for you. Now, I'd already been in ministry for years. I'd been teaching and preaching for years. And I always believed in teaching and preaching and equipping people. But I was never concerned about raising up another generation. But the day that the Lord said that to me, something happened and changed inside of Michael. And the only thing I can liken it to was somebody dropping a quarter in a jukebox or a payphone. And it went clink, and a father's heart dropped inside of me that I've never had before. And you can't father without a father's heart. And if the love of the father and the father's heart doesn't get in you, you can't have your heart turned towards children. And until the father's heart becomes your heart, and he's able to turn your heart towards the children, we'll never see the sun's rise to the level that God has for them. So it starts with us. It starts with us in leadership. It starts with the fathers. And it's us allowing God to change us and turn our heart. And when we turn our heart, we don't have to beg them, ask them, manipulate them, anything to turn theirs. Because when they know that you love me, and you have my best interest at heart, and you're laying your life down for me, they have no problem turning to us, none whatsoever.
a question I'd like to ask you. When it says the hearts of the father of the children, with the hearts of the father to the children, it's a heart thing that takes place between a father and a son. Because so many people are looking for a father, but they're not looking for the heart. They're just looking for somebody they could call father to say they have a father. Yes. And many of these fathers are, are taking in sons that they can't even father and they can't even give them their heart. Right. So it's become kind of like a trend where everybody is looking for a father, but they don't know the right way to connect to a father or a father to connect to their sons. How important is it that it's what God joins together, connecting the heart, than just going out there and looking for a father or being a father that has 100, 200 sons? Number one, we do not recruit sons. Let me just be as plain as I can be. We do not recruit sons. And if you are a potential son, you don't interview prospective fathers. It is a heart connection. It is God that knits the hearts of fathers to sons. And if God is not knitting the heart, it will not happen. I've had people come into my mentoring group. And because they've come into my mentoring group, they figure, well, I'm in his mentoring group, so he's automatically my father. And I'm like, eh, slow your roll. That is not how this works. My heart hasn't been knit to you yet. And until my heart gets knit to you, I can't be your father. I don't have the capacity to be your father if my heart is not knit to yours. And, and conversely, if you're the son, then your heart has to be knit to the father. And so what I have found is this. God has a very unique way of orchestrating these relationships. And he will take people many times that are outside of your circle that you don't even know and cause your paths to cross. And you'll recognize that there's something there and not know what it is. And in the process of yielding and sowing into the starting of a relationship, the greater purpose of God comes out of it. But both parties have to yield to it and sow into it. And through that mutual yielding and sowing, then the hearts actually get knit. And until they do, it'll never work and it'll never happen. And I'll be honest, nobody can have a hundred sons. <laughs> it's impossible to have a hundred yeah. sons. You know, it used to be in the old wineskin, we used to go to conferences and the question was, how many are you running on Sunday morning? Now in the apostolic circles, the question is, how many sons do you have? We're still thinking the same way. We've just changed yeah. the verbiage. It's not about how many sons you have. It's about how many sons can you effectively father? How many sons do you have the capacity to pour into? Jesus Amen. only took 12. And he was perfect. Yeah. So let that sink in. Dr. Baker, 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 17 says this. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. 
For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who reminds you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in the church. First, I want you to address sonship and father. It has nothing to do with agenda. And let's get that straight first, because women can be a father like one. And women are also sons when God says sons. And I want you to address that and also address what is the difference between a father and a mentor? Okay, that's a lot. First thing is <laughs> Solomon had a lot of sons and he messed up totally. Okay, so he had a lot of biological sons and he messed up totally. But in this, we're looking at um, Apostle Michael mentioned something that, that, that comes with this. In this, there's a knitting together, just as God knitted us together in our mother's womb before uh, we came forth. There is a knitting of God's heart and my heart to have. And when I have God's heart, I have the Father's heart because he is the Father. So therefore, as I, as I walk in this, I don't look at this as uh, the, the, the knitting together of a mother's heart, but I'm looking at this as a father. And Apostle Cal said something at uh, one time, he was talking about birthing. And in this birthing of these, these sons, then my heart is, and my heart can only be just, at, just as Paul's heart was for Timothy. His heart was for Timothy to match manifest everything that was in order to manifest. He wanted that son of his to uh, go through his life so that he could be all that he was to be, his training. And, and he, was, he was totally involved in his life. How do I know he was totally involved in his life? He was telling him how to stir up the gifts that were in him, that was in his mother, in his grandmother. So he knew about what was going on in his personal life. And fathering, father knows, I've heard Michael Fram, uh, Apostle Fram, I've heard Apostle Cal, and I, I mean, I know this, that they're involved, and I'm definitely involved in my, in my son's life, my grandson's, but I'm also, I'm so involved in their lives because I care. And the Bible says this, to, um, you can identify, in identifying them, you identify that child, you identify that son, you identify, when you identify the heart of it, uh, it's the heart that God has put in them. It's raise up these children, raise up this child in the way that they should go. Well, God, how do I know this? Without spending time in prayer, without spending time before God, for those sons that he has given you, for those sons that he has entrusted you with, you're not going to know how to lead them. It's when we talk about building up the body is so that they can identify the part of Jesus, the part of who they are in him and who he is in them so that they can go forth and be who they are. I want my sons to smell like me. I want my sons to, to, to walk in ways that I walk, but the whole part of it is, is this, they have to do that through the, through the anointing and through the part of Jesus that he put in them to manifest. And what do I mean? 
but I want them to do it. The same thing that Paul was talking about in these scriptures. I don't want you to do it like I do it. I want you to do it like God put it in you in order to do it. Otherwise, otherwise, all you are is a parrot. All you are is a mimicker. But when sons come forth, it's like I have different sons. Juanito is one kind of son. Damon is another kind of son. Alfred is another kind of son. They all have different. Lanzine is a different type of a son. Uh, all of them have different ways in which they manifest who they are. And, uh, and having the heart of God, having God's heart, having the Father's heart for them, just as he did, just as Paul did for Timothy, in that relationship, you cannot find out what and how a person is to go until you have relationship with them, until you realize that being a father is such a responsibility. It's not just throwing a sperm out there, a spiritual sperm out there and letting somebody grow and say, you got my seed, you have my seed. No, that that that, that is not a father a father says i have i have i have set forth the seed and placed it in you so that you can manifest as the seed of the father god that has come and has knitted and those two things come together so i look at i was a nurse before i was a doctor uh in psychology but uh one of the things of it is is that i look at it as that's uh, uh, that seed that's put out there, it is to connect and to germinate. And as it germinates, as you nurture it, as you do the things that you are to do as a father, then what's going to happen is that that child, that son, is going to go from uh, uh, the nippios, as, as uh, uh, Apostle Cal talked about, which I call the nipple baby. Uh, they're going to grow from that into what it is that God wants them to be. They're going to go up to the Pandion. They're going to go down to the Technon. Then, then you know, we're we're helping them to grow into the full-grown son. And if that's what it is that Paul was talking about, you got many teachers, uh, mentors out there will mentor you. They will tell you how to do. But the difference between uh, that and a father, the father is going to tell you how to be like yes. the ultimate father see and that's the difference if, if he's not telling you how to be uh, a mentor will tell you you can do this if you do this read this book do this do this do this i have many people that i mentor but they're not my children just as apostle michael said but my sons it's a totally different thing and it's a totally different attitude and it's a totally different protection you can't have sons and you don't protect them you can't have sons and you don't uh, chastise them or discipline them, give them corrective uh, uh, corrective instructions and help them. Baby, you're going on the wrong road right now. You need to think about this. You need to turn in this. You need to think about this. This is the father's heart. This is what God does. And so just as as paul said you got many teachers you got many mentors you got many of them people out there all of them on abc cbs uh 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 this television this network that network the other one you got all these preachers out there they all in they find stuff and everything they can tell you how to do stuff but then they're not there for the character building you see as a father i have out my job my desire is to have you to have the character, to have the character of God in you, to have the 
uh, uh, not just intelligence, but to have the integrity of God in you. So this is a very important part of the father. And sometimes your kids is going to dislike you. You know, I get unfathered. I get defathered every now and then. And then I let them know, you can't defather me. How you going to defather me? How you going to do that? We'll come together. You can't defather me. You know, they got on this, you know, uh, you're not my dad anymore. You're not this anymore. I am what I am. And when you come back to your senses, I will be right here. So that's the father's love. That's the father's love. Anyway, that's Amen. just. Uh, Hallelujah. Apostle Cal, since the, the teaching of fathers have come out, it's been going on for a while. I see people that are 21, 22 years old saying they're a spiritual father. <laughs> and I see many people out there who have never even built anything experience anything claiming to be fathers we need to know from a seasoned father like yourself what is the process and what is the real making of a father that god wants us to see and understand today to be a true father to sons today well i i think the reason you see so many young men and women wanting to be fathers is because they didn't have one and as a lot of times in our activity, it's just a, another way of letting you know what kind of life I had and what was missing from that life. And one of those things was I didn't have a father and I don't want to see the generation go forth without a father. So I'm, I'm installing myself as a father so that I can. But see, the problem with that is they have they need to have oversight and they need to have uh, some more time go by. So they'll have something to give to those that they want to father. Because you, if you don't have anything, if you don't have any life, you can't be a novice. So you you have to have some type of uh, some type of life experience, and and you have to have some type of consistency that someone's overseeing. You have to live at, at a certain level of your character. And one of the things I think that people forget that there are three stages that we get to uh, as a fathers. First of all. The first stage is we exist as a child. A child is self-existing. All we want is what we want. And then the next stage is self-functioning. We learn how to function as a son. But then the next stage, when we're ready to be a father, we're self-governing. I don't need nobody to come and say, oh, you better do this. You forgot to do it. Because now I'm matured enough to govern myself enough to be able to help someone in their governance of themselves as they grow up. In 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 in, thing, in maturity, because there's stages of growth and development. Uh, the, the worst thing you can have as someone who trying to be a father and is sincere about about being a father, but doesn't have the tools to be able to create something uh, uh, that I would say would be stable. And it would, in other words, we have a lot of in, unstable people tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because. Uh, uh, because we've got the wrong people wanting. I, I would not even want to be an apostle. Ladies and gentlemen, I did not sign up for this. Uh, men sought me out from all over California, went to my pastor and said, hey, this guy here, he's been traveling around here for 25 some odd years as an apostle. He hasn't even cared about what you call him. He says, what do you think? And my pastor said, well, he's always been an apostle. So just, yeah, come on, let's do this. And so that's when they did that. But I wasn't, I was just happy 
doing what I did and what I'm doing. But now that I've come to my senses, I see the need <laughs> for mature men and women to stand up. And, uh, and one of the things I found out, though, uh, with son, when you're dealing with sons, they got to have a teachable spirit. And when they're not teachable, uh, they want what you have and they want what they can get out of the relationship. They want the blessing of the father or the input of an apostle, but they really are not teachable in the spirit. They just want what they want. It's, it, it's, it's like a spirit of independence or pride or spiritual arrogance. Uh, it, you know, that's the immaturity and the teachableness is an expression of humility. Also, it's a, it's, 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 it's a sign of, of submissive attitude uh, so that the father knows that this is one that may be someone I can be heart knit with because I have to be heart knit with my, with my sons because I'll lay down for them. I'll lay down my life. Dr. Baker knows, Eddie knows, I just had a, a traumatic experience with one of my sons and I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was so concerned for him like he was my own child. Like he was, like he came from my own loins, and he didn't. He's, he's some, he's, but he's a spiritual son. You see what I'm saying? I have. That's the kind of relationship I have to have with the people that God's assigned to me. Everybody, uh, a guy at in Riverside said, "Hey, you're my father now." And McGee was with me, bless his heart. He said, "He's not your daddy. You don't even know his middle name." <laughs> <laughs> That's not your daddy. But what the guy was looking at was maturity and he wanted to grab hold of it. But he didn't understand that it's not just grabbing hold of it. It's it's an assignment. It's an assignment. It's something that God gives you the grace to have. See, if you have the grace of a son and I have the grace of a father and we take time and build relationship, there could be a merging of those two graces together. That's exactly right. And then out of that, we could probably do something very positive. And here's the thing I love about it. The son to me helps me just as much as I help the son. And when I looked at the relationship about it, how they work in unity, even the father, uh, they, uh, he represented his father. He spoke on behalf of his father. He repeatedly spent valuable time with his father. He sought intimacy and relationship with his father. He walked in a mature relationship with his father. He was never ashamed, but always proud of his father. He remained teachable in, in the relationship with his father. And he reverenced his father and upheld the honor of his father. And out of that, they created a bond of sonship and fathership that was left for a model for you and I. That's the model that we're supposed to be patterning after. Apostle Cal, right now, there's fathers out there, spiritual fathers, and they're hurting. They're hurting. They feel alone. They're doing the best that they can to raise up sons. And you know, as being a father, you get betrayed, you get abandoned, you get mis misunderstood because a true father brings discipline and correction to their sons. And sometimes the sons don't like that and mistreat you. Yeah. But what would you say before we uh, take a little break to those fathers out there that are hurting today, that are in the, in the battle and they love their sons and they're trying to do the best they can. 
but they just need a word of encouragement. What would be that word of encouragement you'd give those fathers today? Well, uh, there, there seems to be uh, just uh, so many. On, everywhere we travel, Apostle Eddie, we find these wounded men who are fathers that, that are disenfranchised, want to give up. Uh, one not long ago committed suicide. He's come to the end of his road and ministry lost its purpose and, and, and for him. And he just gave up. He didn't want to go any further. Uh, I, I tell you that uh, it's not time to give up because we're now discovering, you know, here's one thing you have to understand. Nothing's ever been hidden from us. God hid everything for us. But we must discover it through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And as we abide in the spirit of God, he begins to show us the ins and out of how we got in this mess in the first place. Why am I discouraged, oh, my soul? Why am I downtrodden, oh, my soul, when the joy of the Lord is my strength? How did I let people get me in this rut? And so we have to, uh, I want to encourage you, body of Christ, we've all been hurt and wounded, please believe me, especially over here in the Silicon Valley. It, when I first came in, they called this the preacher's graveyard. They said, you won't make it out here, son. Nobody makes it out here in ministry. We bury you type of people by the dozens over here in the Bay Area. And I said, oh my God, what an encouraging word to start my ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah <laughs> to God. <laughs> But I, I went full-time ministry in 1990, and I never turned around. God kept me. He turned. They turned out to be lying to me. God kept me through the storm and the rain full-time all these years. I never had to take an income from any other source. But what I'm saying is that I had to learn how to encourage myself. You And, and you of fathers probably need to be fathered right now. Find a man of God. Find an apostle. Find someone who you can talk to, uh, get my number, put it on the screen, call me. I will cry with you so we don't have to cry no more. I'll weep with you so we don't have to weep. Anymore. But it's time, come on, it's time to get up now out of the, uh, the thing that you've been in. And it's time now to take advantage of the time we're in right now. This is the time to move. I believe it. I feel that there's a special grace on fathers, and particularly those who've been Amen. discouraged. Couldn't you imagine doing something now that has great value, that just blows all the other stuff out the water that didn't have value? This is the time in the season. I want to encourage you to get up. We love you. If you need prayer, we're here for you. We will not turn our back on you. We will not even ask you what happened. We won't try to judge whether you were strong or weak. What we're going to say to you, we don't want to give you a hand out, but we will help you get a hand up. We will get you back on your feet and help you face the, the responsibilities that you have before God. And we'll be, in, we'll be your coaches and we'll be your cheerleaders until we walk together in the victory that we have together in Christ Jesus. We'll take a break in a few minutes, but I think Dr. Baker wanted to say something real quick. Go ahead, Dr. Baker. I, I, I think that one of the things that it is that love unity is about is about helping those hurting and, and, um, and, and broken fathers. And it's not just uh, the ascension, all the ascension gifts, but it's about helping the broken. And we have been able to assist and help others so that they can get up and get back on the road and do what it is that they're to do. So we're here. Yes. Uh, Love and unity. We're here to 
to bind the brokenhearted. And we are not, not about judging. We're not about pointing fingers. And it's a safe place. It's a safe place. So Amen. I just wanted to do that. I know what's helped me as a father is relationship with other fathers. That we encourage each other, strengthen. We learn from one another. We pray for one another. We are there to just love on one another. And I've seen that through love and unity. Uh, it's brought me to a whole different level as a father. Stronger has brought me to a place where I could continue to go and be strong with what God's called. But it's been because of the, the relationships that I've had among senior fathers that we've been able to encourage and stand there and be there for one another. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back for a few more minutes and talk about sonship. Let's take a few break. Take a quick break. Hello everyone, this is Apostle Eddie Maestas, and I want to talk to you about the Love and Unity Broadcast TV. I'm telling you, we are advancing the kingdom of God through TV, through our satellite program that will be a blessing to so many. If you want to be a come a part of the broadcast TV, then all you have to do is go to our love-unity.org. Let us know you're interested. You can get on a half hour a week on TV all over the nation, all over the world, and it will be a blessing to many, and it's only $250 a month. So please go to love-unity.org. I also want to tell you about a brand new work, a kingdom church in Camarillo, California. You don't want to miss out. It's a new church, a new plant. All you in Camarillo, Ventura County, come out and join us. My wife and I are over there, and we are beginning to build the people of God in that area. God bless you. Come and join us in Camarillo. Amen. In Camarillo, I think it cut off that Camarillo. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Real quick, guys, I want to talk to you about sonship. Uh, you can't be a father, Michael Fram, until you first learn to be a son. <laughs> Many people want to be a father and they have not even learned to be a son. There's something that happens between the connection of a father and son that begins to deliver the earth from a curse, deliver the earth from its corruption. And I want you to focus a few moments, the importance of sonship, even more important than what you think your ascension gift is. Because many people are focused on their ascension gift, but never focused on the fact that they need to be a son. Can you talk about that, please? You know, from the very beginning, God had an idea about a family. And God had an idea about sons. And if we go to uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 3, the very end of Luke's gospel, chapter 3, it's where one of those genealogies is. And we start reading it, and sometimes we get a little bit sick of reading it because we keep seeing the son of, 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 and eventually we say to ourselves, well, son of a gun, I'm tired of reading about all these sons. But God doesn't put that stuff in there for fluff and filler. There's actually a reason that it's all in there. And at the end of Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, it says, The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalo, the son of Canaan, 
the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam was the first created son in the earth. From the very beginning, it's been about God wanted a family. God wanted human sons. And everything in the kingdom is patterned after a father and a son order. And when Adam fell, God already knew he was going to fall. And before Adam was ever created, he already had a mystery hidden in God, hidden in Christ, where the only begotten son would come and redeem his earthly creation and restore to them the position as son of God. That's always what this has been about. And what we experience while we are here on this earth is not just coming into the position as knowing who we are. You know, there was a time in the Word of Faith movement that Dad Hagen taught us about all the new creation realities. And it taught us all the in hymns and the in Christ and the by him and by Christ and through him and through Christ. But the most important new creation reality is this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power, That's the true. right, the authority, the privilege to be called son of God. And that's who we are. Yes, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And yes, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And I can say so. And all of those things. that. But the most important thing that we are is son of God. And that's what Jesus came for. To, to restore us to son of God. And so we have to learn to live in our identity as son. That's what this whole thing comes down to. Do we need spiritual fathers? Absolutely. They help us. People say, well, what's the difference between a mentor and a father? A mentor tells you what they know and helps you do what they know. A father imparts to you who they are. It's all about DNA. I look like Leo Fram because I have the DNA of Leo Fram. When I first started teaching and preaching, people said, you look like him, you sound like him, you have the same facial gestures and expressions and everything, just like Leo. I got tired of hearing about you look just like Leo. But I have his DNA. Well, we have Heavenly Father's DNA. And when we get connected to a spiritual father, there comes a transmission of spiritual DNA from that father to that son. I was on live this morning with one of my spiritual daughters, or a female son, if you will. And she started preaching. And she sounded like me. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because she's got some of my DNA. And so this thing in the kingdom about sons, both with Heavenly Father 
and with our spiritual father is that we learn to receive the impartation from them. And that only comes through intimate relationship. You can't get it any other way, but it's about learning to live out of that place as a son, both to Abba and to the spiritual father that God puts within your life. Amen. I think we lost Apostle Cal because uh, originally it's going to be an hour, but then a little bit longer, but there he is. No, I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> He's back. That's so good, Michael Fram, uh, what you're sharing, because a lot of people do not understand what it means to be a son. Uh, a lot of people uh, today just want to be members of a church. Uh, they just want to be attendees. Uh, but, the, but the equipping of the saints is what brings us into the maturity of the sons, that we be the sons that God's called us to be. Dr. Baker, one of the scriptures in Romans chapter 8 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. One of the process of becoming a son is the process of the things that we suffer, the things that we go through. And in those suffering and in those process that what comes out of us is a maturity a growth, a wisdom that comes in. And many people try to get by the suffering side. They don't want to suffer. They just want to just jump right up to the top. But we know those that have come through the process, we've been through some sufferings. And some of the things we suffered has produced the greatest maturity in our life. But we all just want to escape that. Share a little bit about that, if you will, as we go through the process of being true sons of God. I think we lost your voice. You can't circumvent the process. The process is necessary. And God, our, our father, he put on the inside of everyone, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I think it is. It says that there's no situation that happens to you in life, but what is common to man but God has equipped you. God has put inside of you everything that is necessary for you to be able to go through. This is the way uh, it's interpreted uh, for you to be able to go through what you need to go through to create, to bring out the sun that uh, the, 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 the sun, the, the purpose that I have in you. And so when here it is. It's a process. No child is born and an adult immediately. Nobody steps to the top, to the front of the line. It is necessary. All of those different things that you go through that are suffering, it teaches you some things. It teaches you integrity. It teaches you values. It teaches you uh, that your gift cannot keep you where you're supposed to be. Your gift can get you to places. But your, your integrity and, and your maturity is what keeps you there without going through the different things. How am I going to, uh, Jesus himself said, all of the things that you're going through, I've already 
already gone through it. You don't have a high priest. You don't have a, an apostle that has not been touched with the same affirmities, uh, the same things that you, you've gone through. It also says that Jesus learned obedience, learned obedience of what? Obedience of the call that's on the inside of you. I did not want to be an apostle. That was not my high call. That was not something that I chose, okay? That was not something that I'm saying, gee, I want to be an apostle. Uh, I, I had, I mean, by threat of life, letting me know that this was my purpose. And if I was not going to live my purpose out, that I didn't need to be in this earth anymore. And I said, okay, death or apostle, I'll be the, I'll step into the, into that position. <laughs> but what had happened is I had gone through all of the things that I had gone through. And what it also teaches you, this apostle Eddie, is this. As you go through these things, this is why the word of God says, count it all joy when you go through all of these different trials, because it's the trying of your faith that produces this character. You cannot get to where it is that we are without character building and character buildings means going through sufferings. That's why you have children, I believe, biologicals. That's why you have family. I mean, they help you to go through these things. They help you by, by being who they are. So what I say to people is this, and what that scripture is letting us know, that there is a process and we cannot shorten God's process. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. Realize that uh, everything that is needed. You know, I did this, you spoke about Reba Rambo uh, a while back. I did a, uh, she wrote this book, uh, The Yellow Brick Road, and I traveled with she and Judy in doing this. And one of the things that happened during this, she went through all of the different things that she had gone through in life. The, the different things and God would not let her leave out of those those situations. He says, I want you to go through it because in this crushing, in this crushing, in this going through this, in this suffering thing, what it's going to bring out, it's going to bring out the best of me in you. Because that's all it is, is, you know, we talk about dying to self. I think it's even more than that. I think it's about realizing that my life is not my own, that my life has been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is the thing that brought me here. And it's what's going to take me through. So don't try to circumvent. Don't try to be something that you're not. Others will see. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. You know, it's really, it, it's really something. If I have to tell you who I am, if I have to tell you that I'm an apostle, if I have to tell you that I'm a prophet, if I have to tell you who it is that I am, then there's no fruit of this. See, God called, God called me to be this. Well, if God called you to be this, then the, then the, the smell of God and the look of God and and, and, the, and the proofs of God will come out of you so that others will be able to identify it. So as you go through this, as you go through the crushing, uh, I think Prophet Andrew did a... Did a through the uh, what? The crushing, did you say? A crushing. <laughs> Here it is. Prophet Andrew did a, a, a teaching on the grapes. But one of the things of it is, it says, here you are in the bunch of grapes and you, this big green grape, 
sitting inside of all of these beautiful uh 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 great uh, uh uh whatever kind of grapes the other ones the the purple grapes and here it is if you get crushed within that what you're going to do is you're going to mess up the taste so being where you're not supposed to be before you are ready to be there number one is going to destroy you and number two, what it's going to do is going to it's it's going to taint the flavor of all of these other things. And I think this is what's happened in the body of Christ. We have people in positions that shouldn't be in position. Amen. And I want to touch what I want to touch one more thing before we close off. Okay, go ahead. Part of suchship is an important word called transformation. Yes. And many people do not understand transformation. And there needs to be a transformation if there's going to be a glorification of God's glory in the earth. And many are not willing to go through the transformation. We'll start with you, Dr. Baker, then we'll go to Apostle Michael, then we'll close off with Apostle Cal. If you would each give a couple of minutes on this subject, the importance of transformation that God is doing now in the earth. Go ahead. I'll give one and three quarter minutes. Okay. Okay, it's <laughs> it is a process. Transformation is not something that just happens. Here it is, and you're immediately transformed. It is a processing of something. It is as you make bread. There is a rising, and then there is a beating down, and that's the part that you don't want to be. And then there's some more kneading that needs to be done in you. And then what happens is that you're able to rise up and then you're broken off from that from that part and then mold it into what it is that you're to be. I mean, that how it is that you are to present the God inside of you to the world. So there it's a process that people don't want to go through. They don't want uh, you must go through. The, the rising and it seems like you're rising and there it is. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're beaten down. And what happens is that it takes all the air, all the puff, all that, all that pride, all that arrogance, all that stuff, all that self out of you. And by the time you're beaten down and then you're needed some more, here it is, some more, you're rolled in some more and then you're brought out. And then here it is, you taste, you're the bread that people can eat and you're a letter that people can read. Amen. Apostle Michael. You know, transformation, as Dr. Baker is saying, takes time. I think many times we look at our walk in Christ as being a sprint. And Paul said, I run the race. What he didn't say was it's a marathon and it's going to take time. Transformation just takes time. There are no magic wands and there are no shortcuts. And it's practicing consistency. You know, even in the scripture that we read in, in Galatians, I think it's uh, 6, 9, I believe is, is the, you know, Continuing to do good, because if we don't get weary, if we don't faint, in due season or in due time, we will reap. The part of that is the continuing to do good. We get weary in well-doing. 
because we're expecting, you know, well, I'm going to start doing this and I'll do this for a little bit. And then I don't see like this magic presto abracadabra that I have arrived. And you say, ah, I knew that wasn't going to work. And you throw in the towel and you quit. No, the thing is, are you going to continue to keep doing good? Are you going to keep doing what you know you're supposed to do? Are you going to keep walking with the master? Are you going to keep your daily communication with him? Are you going to continue to pray in the spirit? Are you going to continue to encourage yourself in the Lord when you get downhearted? Are you going to lock yourself in the room and scream hallelujah to the funk, F-U-N-K, till the funk leaves your life? Are you going to keep your nose in the book and your knees on the floor? Are you going to keep sowing money into the kingdom when you ain't got two nickels to rub together? I'm talking about continuing to do what you know you're supposed to do. That's how you come into transformation. And if you do, in due season, at the appointed time, you will reap if you faint not. And lo and behold, you will find you are a different person. And you have been conformed to the image of his dear son. And that, my dear brother and sister, is the goal. Also, Cal, how important is it for transformation that even a five-fold ministry gift is, is connected to the local house and has gone through the process of discipleship in the local house? Well, I think we need to understand. Uh, I think the word transformation, I think, has been misused in a lot of circles it, because it's like something's going to happen all, suddenly. And also, I mean, right now, about two years out, <laughs> and you're going to be transformed. <laughs> and uh, the transformation scripture is a prophetic utterance. He said, you have been conformed, predestined, and pre-known to, to be in the likeness and the image of the Son. That's a prophecy. He says, you getting ready to go through hell. You're getting ready to go through some stuff now. You, life is going to be coming at you. All kind of storms are coming. All kind of people are going to reject you. People are going to leave you. People are going to misunderstand you. Why? Because the life of Christ is coming out of you, and you're going to be transformed into his likeness. And the earth doesn't want Jesus here right now. The earth is not waiting for Jesus, but the sons of God are going to manifest that life. And that's the transformation that God is bringing us through. There's a death sentence on you and I. We must not decrease. We, we must disappear completely. But for the life of God to manifest, we have to come into the place where transformation can begin to work. And that's after the wheat of corn has fallen to the ground and it's died. And it abideth alone unless it dieth. And so what God is saying, I don't want you dead body of Christ. He didn't die for you to die. But he wants you in your self-effort and your self-awareness and all of your energized animation. He wants you to be still and come to Sabbath so Holy Spirit governor can begin to bring you into formation of the life of the Son of God. It's going to take a little while because we are still resisting. And he starts with fathers. 
to help the children stay steady, steadfast, unmovable, staying in a place where you have accountability, staying in a place where you have oversight, staying in a place where people love you and nurse you. Paul said, I nurse you. I appeal to you as one who would burden the gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Man, he said, in that process of fathering, we help we help you stay in that place as the word transformation, by the way, is a joint word. It means change together. No, not singularly, but jointly changed. Jointly changed. That means we're the Holy Spirit's not working on one person to change. He needs the body to be transformed. And so that's what it is. And it, 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 we're, we're in a place right now where I've never felt the demand for me to change. Listen to me. I believe when I'm crying out at night, it's not for another car. It's not for money. It's God, please help me make this change. I feel something you're doing in my inner chambers of my heart. Make it real to me. Make it come out in me. Let me live this thing out. That's transformation in my thinking. Now, if I can get my thinking right, my body and my rest of my soul and, and that thing might come in sync with the rest of me. But I got to get my thinking right. I got to get my mind renewed. I got to get the spirit of my mind caught up with my journey. I got to get a cooperation from my flesh. I got to get all of my total being saying yes to the journey to transformation. I got I got to get my whole unit to say yes. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm in for the long haul. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up. I I, I got a I got a, a council of, of twelve around me. I got all these wonderful people on on faith that are part of the loving unity. Look at all these beautiful people that have gathered around to make sure we're successful. You know, one of the things that that I'll say and I'll be quiet here is that it takes the sons to notice. When the fathers need prayer and when they're weak and they're hurt, we need sons to be sensitive to their fathers, too. It's not always the fathers bringing something to you. Sometimes you have to bring something to the fathers as well because they got a lot of stuff coming at them. You got to be sensitive to even to the fathers. Uh, some want to give up and just one encouraging word from you, one card, one hand on the shoulder, one shabba haba, and you'll be surprised how that can turn the situation around. Yeah. Amen. That is so good. Thank you, Apostle Cal, Apostle Michael, Apostle Baker. We appreciate you guys coming on. The Bible says that all of creation is groaning and in travail and is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. My yes, God Lord. is waiting, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And that manifestation won't come forth unless there's a transformation, unless there's a sonship that rises up among us, that we could be a corporate son in the earth to represent his kingdom and his glory. But I'm telling you, we're living in a season where God is asking us to lay down our life. 
God is asking us to do not our will, but his will. God is asking us to come together and unite as the body of Christ and stop being independent and stop being offended and stop being hurt with other people in the body of Christ. And let's come together as one son in the earth, representing one father, one son, and one Holy Ghost. It's time. And the Spirit of God is drawing us. The Spirit of God is moving. The sons of God today are being led by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is wanting to move on the earth. I believe that the church is going to rise up like never before and be the true ecclesia that it is called to be to begin to legislate God's kingdom in the earth because we have grown up, we have matured, we have been transformed and now it's time to see a manifestation of His glory in all the earth. I'm looking forward to those hardened hearts to be softened. I'm looking forward to those rebellious people to come and humble themselves before God. I'm looking forward to those that are bound by drugs and alcohol and confusion to get set free and delivered by the power of God. And you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for the sons of God to rise up. They're waiting for the fathers to turn their hearts to the sons. And in that process, we will see the glory of God begin to fill the earth from region to region to region. We love you so much. We are praying for you. Love and unity is praying for you. And we believe that God wants to touch your heart like never before and bring you into the fullness of all that he has destined you to be. Before you were even born, God had a plan and a purpose in your life. And now it's time to come into your full destiny. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Manifest Live. Thank you, Apostle Michael, staying up late from New Jersey. Apostle Cal, we love you so much. Dr. Baker, hallelujah. We love you. We praise God for every single one of the Council of Love and Unity that is being a blessing to so many. Please go to love-unity.org. Support us, hallelujah. Pray for us. Go see our vision. Go see all the different broadcasts we have on, the different books that some of the council have written. There's so many blessings on our website. Go look at it, and you will be blessed. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And remember all the time, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you all.